Uh, so here we are. It's been the end of 12 weeks. If I counted right on YouTube on my phone, I think this is the 13th week of this series. I don't know, I might have missed a few. But here we are um, going through this story of the children of Israel on their journey from the land where they had been enslaved on their way to their promised ancestral lands. And we've been looking at different pit stops in their journey as we talk about transitions, because we've been going through a lot of transition too. And um, we are also very aware that this is like a real story of like struggle and of deliverance and of God freeing slaves. And we don't want to minimize that as we pull up principles uh, in our own transitions. But we know that in the big things and in the little things, God's spirit can be at work and there's things we can learn from their journey in ours. So over the past 12 weeks, we looked at um, different things they went through, whether it was um, the call to something else when we saw Moses at the burning bush or when we saw them, uh, the struggle and the obstacles that were in their way um, before they even were allowed to go into the wilderness, which was their place of transition, their unknown, their between. I've been talking about transition as a place of between. And then once they were there, all the things that came up, all of the struggles, the complaints, their laments, uh, as well as God's provision, as well as God showing up in their worship, as well as God leading them on. So today uh, we're going to be go ahead and closing out the series. And so I wanted to do something a little different. I don't have like a whole sermon sermon for you where normally, you know, we read a text and then I do some commentary on it or we pull out some principles for preaching or teaching. But instead today, I just thought I'd share a little story, um, some principles from the story and then have an invitation for us. And then we'll move to more an experiential reading of the scripture text. And we have Cheryl Uwechi, who is our the co-leader of our prayer team online. And we're going to be trying to put her up on here. So we're bridging the gap between our online and our um, uh, in-person Ohana, and we'd be having her lead us in sort of a prayerful, experiential reading of the text known as Lectio Divina. So we're going to be doing that in a few moments, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that everybody has a like a bulletin um, or a worship notes, because I don't have any worship notes for you up here today, and in case you want to read along with the text later on while she's reading, you might want to have it. So Pastor Cheryl has uh, that available right there. Sometimes it's helpful. Uh, I do have ADHD, and it's helpful. I sometimes have to see something when someone's talking. Otherwise, it just doesn't even register in my brain. Like, my husband knows if there's anything he wants me to do or any, like, things I have to get at the store, it has to be written down, because if he just, like, tells me, I'm like, What? I don't remember you saying that. <laughs> 20 years later, we realized, oh, like notes are really helpful. <laughs> so if you need notes, we have some. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl, for handing those out. Um, so we've been going through changes. We went ahead and we moved uh, from our building up the street where our lease was up to here, this place of a lot of promise and potential. But it's also a place where there's a lot that needs to be done. Um, and a lot of things that need uh, um, partnership and need um, funding and need um, all our various visions to come together. And it might seem like just a, a short little move, right? You're just moving down the street. But actually, it feels like everything has changed. So many things have changed. And we used to be in this building like, I don't know, over a decade ago, but it's changed even from when we were in this building a decade ago. We have to negotiate everything from like who goes in what space and where things go and how we'll be designing everything out, as well as how this place is going to be a place that we can launch from to, to be God's hands and feet to our broader community whom God is sending us to. So there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of changes, like 
this past week, we got water. Yay for water. We don't have to use water bottles anymore. Uh, we had tiles tested in the nursery, which came back negative for asbestos. Yay. <laughs> I'm thinking, what other good news do we have this week? We have a cleaning company that's going to come once a, uh, once a week and take out our trash. Yay. <laughs> I'm happy about that one. Right now we have a whole bunch of trash just accumulated in the administration's office. I just kind of keep putting it in there as the days go on. So all these wonderful things happening, uh, they're small things, but they're changes, right? So uh, today, um, as we look at one text, I, I wanna tell a little story first, and it's the story of, uh, the story of wilderness. It's a story of a wilderness that has two faces. In our scriptures, in the very first two books of the Bible, we have two individuals, a man and a woman, who both went into the wilderness twice. And each time they went into the wilderness, they found something different there. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about them. The first person who went out in the wilderness, her name was Hagar. She was from Pharaoh's court and she was sold as a slave to Abraham and Sarah. She got pregnant with Abraham's son. She was abused by Sarah and she ran out in the wilderness and there in the wilderness, she found refuge. She ran out for escape, and she found escape. And there in the wilderness, in Genesis 16, she found God. And she not only encountered God, but she left that experience of wilderness having a new name for God, El Roy. God is the God who sees. And she runs out there for escape, for refuge. She finds God. She's given promise of family. She's given hope for the future. And she goes back to her difficult situation, but knowing that God sees her with a sense of promise for her and her family, she brings that back with her. Then many generations later, we have Moses. Now he is the great, 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 great grandchild of Abraham and Sarah. And he is now the children of slaves, but he's taken to Pharaoh's court, sort of the juxtaposition of Hagar. Taken to Pharaoh's court where he's raised. And then one day he sees uh, an altercation happening with one of his fellow Hebrew family who's being beaten and he kills the guard. This is manslaughter. So Pharaoh's police are after him. He has to run into the wilderness where he finds refuge, where he finds escape. And there in the wilderness, he finds God. He discovers in a new way the God of his ancestors. He's given a new family, new hope, and a new name for God at the burning bush. Yahweh, I am who I am. And then he's told to go back with this new knowledge and new experience of God. So you see, both for Hagar and for Moses, these two individuals both go into the wilderness. They both go into this unknown. They go into this place between, and they experience it as a place where God is there, where God reveals God's self, where they experience God's presence, and with renewed hope for the future. So that's one face of the wilderness. Are you with me? That's one face of the wilderness. Now, the wilderness has another face, too, at least another. I'm only going to tell you this story two stories of the wilderness, two faces of the wilderness, because we could be here all day. <laughs> Another face of the wilderness is a little different. And we see it the second time Hagar, the second time Moses go back into the wilderness. The second time they actually go with provisions and it's gonna be for a longer journey. In fact, the two of them never go back to the way things were. That wilderness leads them on to the very next thing. Hagar, she goes in the wilderness now with her son, 
who's, he had been safely born. He's grew to the age where he could travel. She's actually freed, but she's freed into the wilderness. She has food and water with her, but those run out. And in Genesis 21, we see her wandering in the wilderness without any water, any food, and she's despairing of life. The wilderness is no longer this refuge, this place of escape. The wilderness feels hostile, feels vulnerable. When all else fails and everything runs, everything runs out, she's faced with her human vulnerability, her creatureliness. And she knows death is not that far away. That's Hagar. Now, then we have Moses. Moses goes with the whole children of Israel with him, right? He also brings children with him of various ages. And they go with all the spoils of Egypt with them. So they have lots of supplies. But their problem is, is once they get on the road, Pharaoh decides he wants to chase them down. So instead of the wilderness being a place of escape and refuge, now suddenly the wilderness is a place of terror. They get to the Red Sea. They think they're going to die. And God provides a way through. And then they're hungry and they need food. And God provides food and they're thirsty and they need drink. And along the way, they feel the hostility of the desert, of the wilderness. The desert doesn't feel like a place of escape and refuge. It feels like a hard place, a place of struggle, a place where you're always wondering if your needs are going to be met, a place where all the things that you've accumulated don't seem to really matter. You're just kind of left with your own vulnerability, your own creatureliness. Death doesn't seem that far away. So do you see those two things, those two experiences of the wilderness, those two faces of the wilderness? In one of them, it looks like a refuge, an escape. In the other one, it looks a little bit more like struggle, huge struggle. And so friends, this is what I want to invite you. This is going to lead us into invitation um, because I think we each experience wilderness in different ways as well. We have the way where we go and um, where we have a, a difficult situation, life, a transition, and, and things seem tough, but God is there and we're given hope and promises and an idea of a new future and maybe a new experience or a name for God. And then there's other experiences of wilderness where we're actually not sure if we've been let out there to die. Is God really a good parent? Can God really be trusted? Is this life, um, what can I hold on to in this life? What, what can I trust? And for the children of Israel, when they were in Pharaoh's court for all those hundreds of years, they really experienced Pharaoh, to use sort of the language of uh, developmental psychology, they experienced Pharaoh as a kind of parent, a very terrible parent. He changed the rules on them. He was responsible for giving them food and shelter, and yet he would also you know, kill their firstborn uh, boys. He conscripted them all into forced labor as slaves. Pharaoh was really a terrible, terrible, you know, parent. He was a slaveholder abuser, right? But in language of developmental psychology, for generations, they experienced living under Pharaoh. And then suddenly they're invited to instead live under God's way of doing things. And that's a very scary transition. When you have uh, an unsecure attachment and you haven't developed like what it's like to have a secure attachment, life is very tenuous. And the children of Israel had to learn to develop a secure attachment to God. And God did that in the wilderness. In the wilderness, as God soothed them, as God saw them, as God supplied their needs, as God protected them, they were able to build a stronger bond with God. Sometimes God was a little bit like a, you know, very... Uh, had some tough love, some very clear expectations laid out. Here are the rules. I'm putting them on the fridge for everybody to see. 
this is what we're hoping for in this family. No fighting or else you are going to sit in that timeout for longer than you'd like. Sometimes God was uh, a little bit more conscriptive about what things needed to be done, a little more prescriptive. And sometimes uh, there was just a lot of freedom and them getting to be with each other and them getting to worship God in new ways. So they had this whole journey that they went through personally, existentially, as a, as a people group, as a community. And friends, sometimes in that second wilderness, sometimes that's where you and I are invited to look at our attachments and to look at our own history. You know, what have we experienced of being protected and cared for? Do we have a strong experience like that? And if not, how might God want to step in to be that good parent? to show up like a parent and say, let me sort of reparent you. Let me walk with you through this in new ways. And sometimes we see that in the second experience of wilderness that we don't in the first. The first one's shorter. Second one's a little harder. But I think that's the invitation for us. I remember uh, when I was serving as a chaplain uh, right after grad school before we moved back home here on the mainland, um, there were a couple people that um, actually I made a whole list of all these people I didn't want to forget. And I kind of wrote down some of the stories. And then in true ADHD fashion, I forgot about all of them, except for like one, one or two. And uh, I went back to that list the other day. There's like 60 different families on it. And I was reading through it. And a couple really caught my attention. And I, rem- I just remember like, oh, yeah, God did that. God was there in that moment. I remember this one a family from Bangladesh. And uh, they didn't speak any English. And I didn't speak any of their language. And no one had visited them the entire time they'd been in this hospital. And their child was in the hospital. And so I arranged for an interpreter. And I uh, wrote out, like, a Bengali greeting. Like, I don't know if I said it right. I could have said it horribly. Who knows? I tried. And then um, I wrote a, a dua for them. They're Muslim. So I wrote out this prayer for um, the Almighty God for mercy. I wrote it out, and I gave it to them. And, uh, you know, we were able to see each other. Even though we're talking through interpreter, you could sense this presence this presence of a good parent in the room. Despite our difference of religion and culture and language, I knew that God's spirit was there with us. And at the end of it, they asked me through the interpreter, they said, are you from Bangladesh? And I had to laugh. I mean, maybe, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think I look kind of Italian, Howley, but (laughs) I think they asked because for a moment, they had felt a little bit like a bit of home was with them. And I thought, that's what God does with us as we go through the wilderness. God gives us another sense of home. Even when we feel home feels like it's really far away, God gives us another sense of God's presence with us. The second face of the wilderness can do that. So invitation for you is just what face of the wilderness are you experiencing? As we go through all our own transitions here at Wellspring, larger ones in society as we sort of navigate like, what does church look like for all, all our friends and those in here who are doing deconstructing and reconstructing of your faith? What does that look like? We're navigating all these huge transitions around us. And as we navigate our own, what is God's invitation for us? What face of the wilderness are you experiencing? Oh, my God wants to parent me. Where might home be? All these different threats. So we're about to read something. Uh, and before we do that, uh, before we bring Cheryl Uwechi up on the screen, which I'm hoping it'll work, we'll find out. Uh, we have a wonderful team of people working very hard to help make that happen. Before we do that, I just want to give you a little bit of context for what we're about to read in um, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy um, is written in the words and in the spirit of Moses, but it was written like hundreds and hundreds of years later after the Israelites 
actually went through their beginning, arrived in the land of their ancestors, had a whole lot of history there, forgot a lot of their history, rediscovered their history in the corner of the temple. So this is probably written about 7th century BC, but the northern kingdom had fallen, and so refugees came down to the southern kingdom. They brought with them remnants and understanding, remnants of, of the story of the I am God. And the northern kingdom had found a very old writing of the law, which we think, some scholars think, might have been an older version of Deuteronomy. They had been found in their temple in a corner right under King Josiah's rule. So these, these people are coming together. They're remembering what has been told them. They're also coming up with a story, a narrative for who is this God who calls them? Who is this God who continues to call them now that there's been heartbreak, now that there's been loss of land, now that there's been loss of God's teaching? Here at the end, this is what they say now about God. This is what they say about each other in the words of Moses. So there's something interesting about being able to hear this text from their mouth all these years later. They've had time to wrestle with God. They've had time to work through what secure attachment to God looks like. And this is what they say in the words of Moses. You're going to notice the word love. You might have noticed lots of words. It's okay if your word is different than this. I'm going to tell you about the word I noticed. The word I noticed was love, and it's actually the first time in the Hebrew language that that word is ever used in the, in the Old Testament in the context of God-loving humans. There's words for love that use like this covenantal love that's used from the beginning. But love between parents and children, love between lover and beloved, that word is never used between humans and God until here, what we're about to read here. And it's used all throughout Deuteronomy. All these years later, they wrestled and they found the love. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and hear that from Cheryl Wetchie now. She's gonna give us some instructions on what it's like for us to go through this experiential reading of the text. We'll just be in here for about a couple more minutes. Then Pastor Dan will come up. He's gonna read the passage for a second time, and then I'll close us in prayer. So we're very close to our sending song, but this is the I, don't know, I think this is the fun part. So we're gonna try to get Cheryl Wetchie, the co-leader of our prayer team, up on here. Am I good to go now? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Rebecca. It's good to be here with all of you. Today, uh, we have an opportunity to read scripture from Deuteronomy and to hear God speaking to each one of us. So, um, as Pastor Rebecca said, I will read first. There'll be a pause. Pastor Dan will read the second time. It will be the same passage. And with each reading, um, I want to encourage you to try to listen for a word or a phrase or a, a picture that comes to your mind or even a memory uh, of uh, something that maybe God is trying to draw your attention to. Uh, there are many ways that God can speak to us in this lectio reading. In Psalm 103, God says, Come and talk with me. And that's our invitation. He wants us to come and talk with him. So after I read, after Dan reads, uh, you'll be given a time of silence just to talk with God about what you're hearing. And 
If you don't hear anything today, it's okay just to be in his presence. With, with God, when you're with God, it's all good. Okay, so I'm going to be from Deuteronomy 6, verse 1, uh, 6, verses 10 to 12, and then Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 9. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. Then you will eat, and then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were far more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Before I read it a second time, let's just take another few moments to be still, just to be open to what the scripture, which is God's word to us, was there for us. And as I read the passage a second time, I encourage you to just listen for a word or phrase that stands out to you, and then as you identify that, just kind of hold on to that, let it be part of your conversation with God. Similar to Cheryl, I will be reading Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12, followed by chapter 7, verse 7 through 9. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. 
but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Thank you, Cheryl and Pastor Dan. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you are no stranger to the wilderness. You've seen all the faces of it. As a place of refuge when you had to run from Herod as a small child. And you were safe in Egypt. Then sent out by the Holy Spirit, and experiencing the wilderness as being a place of vulnerability, a place where when all else fades, God, your parent, was present with you. And finally, going down into the world of the dead as you die, and preaching to the sinners. Oh, what wildernesses you have seen, the faces you have seen, Help us to know that whatever we're going through, Lord, and all of our in-betweens, that there is no wilderness you have not encountered and no wilderness that you cannot be present with us in, even when we cannot sense your presence. Help us know that when all else fades, if you can be with us there, you can also be with us in the plenty when there's lots of things. Now, in the power of your Holy Spirit, lift up those words that we need to hear. So we go into this next week, as we continue in this next phase of our journey as a church community, as we go into our day-to-day lives. Empower us, speak to us, teach us, parent us. In your name we pray. Amen.